Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. If you think you felt a great disturbance in the force, you're not wrong. Ed Gross and me, Mark A. Altman, have a new oral history coming out this July from St. Martin's Press. It's Secrets of the Force, the complete, uncensored, unauthorized oral history of the Star Wars saga. So wherever you buy books, audio and video, pick it up today, pre-order, and you can learn the secrets of the force. And don't miss our oral history of Star Trek in stores now. And of course, nobody does it better. The complete oral history of James Bond in digital, hardcover, paperback, and audio. That is all. If you're a fan of the 430 movie, you'll love Best Movies Never Made, hosted by myself, Josh Miller. And Steven Scarlatta. Where we explore some of the greatest movies never made, like E.T. 2. Johnny Quest. Beetlejuice Goes Hawaiian. And Halloween 3D. New episodes available every other Monday, wherever you listen to podcasts. You must learn to listen to the Rebel and the Rogue, or you will not be allowed to come with me to Alderaan. If you do not leave voluntarily, I have the power to force you to leave or kill you where you stand. Have you ever seen a victim of Rigillian fever? They die in one day. The effects are like bubonic plague. The Enterprise, the plague ship. The last tender encounter, Captain Kirk. Be thankful that you did not attack me, Captain. I might have accepted battle, and I have twice your physical strength. How childish he is, Rainer. Would you call him brave or a fool? I will not be the cause of this. I choose. My crew. Time for you to join your crew. This is Mark A. Altman. And this is Darren Docterman. And we are the Inglorious Trexperts. And welcome to the briefing room. Trexperts briefing room, where we dissect and do audio commentary for a significant episode of Star Trek. And today's episode, as picked by our special guest, is Requiem for Methuselah. And our special guest is none other than returning champion. You know him as a producer on Star Trek Enterprise. He was assistant to the producer on Star Trek Next Generation, Deep Space Nine, Voyager, and of course, the uh, producer on the Star Trek, uh, um, what are they called, Dave Ross? Remastered. The, the Remastered. Star Trek Remastered. Star Trek Remastered. And of course, I'm speaking of none other than Dave Rossi. Welcome back to the Trek Spritz, Dave. 
Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me back. This is going to be fun. Of yeah, well, um, I, you know, obviously we, we picked these shows uh, that we've been curating based on our guests' picks. Love to know what it is about Requiem for Methuselah that you feel is worthy of inclusion in the briefing room. You know, I, 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 I thought that, uh, uh, and after talking to Darren a little bit, that, you know, going for the 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 top heap would have been too easy. So I dug a little into my, uh, my favorite, uh, moments from episodes and you dug like the trug lights do. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Without my xenon mask. So now I'm quite crazy. Uh, but, um, this episode has my absolute favorite spot moment. Mm. And so, uh, and so, um, I thought I would, uh, I would jump onto that one. I should have gone for a Kirk moment. Now that I think about it, that was dumb. But, but as I was looking at, I was just looking at titles, and and that jumped out like, oh my god, I love that Spock moment. So I, I, I jumped on this one. So let's let's jump on that. <laughs> I also want to point out we will be watching the remastered version, uh, so you will not be seeing uh, regular uh, the re reused uh, uh, matte painting from the cage. Well, you won't um, be seeing anything because you're <laughs> listening to this. Oh, that's true. That's true. But, but when you're watching it, uh, you know, uh, watch, please watch whether on Blu-ray or on streaming via Netflix or CBS All Access or Hulu or Amazon Prime. You want to watch the remastered uh, episode because that's the one we'll be watching uh, today. Um, yeah, we had a lot of fun with that matte painting with Flint's uh, uh, living quarters and nice. Citadel. And as we mentioned on our Best Virus episodes, which is a great episode to watch during the pandemic, because, of course, it's about a, uh, a raging pandemic that uh, the Enterprise can only treat with uh, uh, when they find the right talent that they need, the vaccine, to, uh, <laughs> to cure the, the ailing crew and the worlds that need it desperately uh, in order to go back to normal. So this is a particularly appropriate episode it- to watch. Is it true that uh, an alternate title for this was uh, Catcher in the Right Talon? <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, man. P- possibly. Oh, man. Maybe not. But I'm <laughs> guessing that their project Warp Speed Work. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Operation Warp Speed Work for them. They, they got the right talent and they were able to give everybody the, mm-hmm. uh, the vaccine in time. Um, and they were able to get it with, and they were able to get back Lieutenant Yar. No vaccine and no <laughs> we, You know, we should we should actually do code of honor as a as oh, an episode. Oh yeah, that would be an interesting one to do a uh, commentary on. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. I'm making a note of that because yeah, uh, do that and let me know because I'm tuning in for that one. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> I, ha- I have I have a few people in mind to join us for uh, code of honor. That'll 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 be a good one. You know, um, and of course, you know, we are doing episodes of Next Generation, Enterprise, Voyager coming up, and and uh, the animated series and Deep Space Nine, of course. If so, I would have um, gone Next Generation, I would have chosen the Defector. Mm. Oh, that's a good one. That's a good one. We'll have to have you come back and do the Defector. Oh yeah, uh, that would be fun. Yeah, I love I'm, that. Episode. Uh, and 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 who was that? James Sloyan was the Defector. Well, he's great in that. Yeah. Episode. I remember. Yeah, and written as one of Ron Moore's first. Uh, Job uh, jobs on as a staff writer. I yeah, think. it was his second script. It was he had done the yeah. bonding, uh, and then that was his. Uh, he did the the rewrite on that. Uh, that was, I think, his second script after the bonding. 
So we yeah, there's so many the great bits. There's so many great bits in that. So many great bits in that. Love it. Okay. Well, I think that's another episode worth. We, you know, again, it's like we don't want to do the the usual suspects. We want to find that next level of episodes, um, and that would be a great one to do. But right now, we're doing Requiem for Methuselah. Um, I'm doing anything I can to avoid talking apparently about Requiem for Methuselah because, as I said on this show, not one of my favorites. Um, but uh, maybe I'll you know gl- glean some uh, more appreciation for it. Uh, you know, listening to you guys. Um, uh, talk about its many merits. Uh, this, of course, was the 19th episode of season three. Yep. Um, it was uh, a lot of reason. It was, it was, you know, we're getting towards the end of the show. Um, it was under the aegis of uh, Fred Freiberger. Um, Gerald Finnerman had already left the show. But interestingly, Al Francis, who had been his gaffer, who took over, uh, he was sick. So uh, stepping in was Ed Finger from Gomer Pyle for a couple of days. And then Ernie Haller, who had you know directed, uh, who'd been the DP on the second pilot, where No Man Has Gone Before, um, uh, stepped in for a day, and of course he's most well known for his uh, work as the DP on not only uh, Gone with the Wind, but also um, on um, Mildred Pierce, Rebel Without a Cause, and uh, whatever happened to Baby Jane. So really great pedigree. In addition to what I said, a powerhouse. A total powerhouse. And, and so um, you had three different uh, uh, DPs on this episode. Um, and uh, I, when we'll, get, and, you know, we'll get to uh, the cast when we get to them. But yeah. um, uh, let's take a look. Uh, so get ready. Get your, uh, get, your, um, get your episode ready, locked and loaded. And Darren will count us down as we go inside the briefing room for Requiem for Methuselah. Here we go. Get ready to unpause in three, two, one, go. Okay, well, you never can go wrong with that music opening an episode, can you? Right. Nice looking planet there. Yeah, our little purple skies for remastered. We like the purple skies. And getting close on the Enterprise. We love those. Tried to do as many beauty passes that as we could. Well, you shoot the Enterprise like you shoot a beautiful woman. That's right. You know? Because we love her. <laughs> <laughs> and here we are on the, the, the swing set we've seen many times. And, of course, uh, we moved the rocks around and the lighting to give it a di- yeah. different look. Um, there's Yarnak. Yes, right. And there's yeah. Yarnak, right, exactly. We're in Yarnak's living room, apparently. That's another episode we should do, the Savage Curtain. Yeah. Maybe we'll do it for President's Day. Right. Let's get that right down. That's right. And why don't you tell us how they did uh, the the um, the robot here, Flint's Flint's robot M M M five M three M two. This is M four. Yeah, because the others were not entirely successful. M four were not entirely successful. It's you know it's a it's a garage sale of nomad parts is what it is. Yeah. Um, now, and for remastered, we wanted to change the sky here, but it was just too much. Would have been too much uh, roto work. Yeah, and mm. and and tracking, no doubt. Yeah, but yeah. you know, it's uh, honestly, I, I'm thinking that it would be uh, it would be easy to chroma key it because it's it's so very it's all one color. Yeah, it's pretty. Yeah, the the big problem is tracking all the shots. Mm-hmm. Here, here is our our antagonist. Flint, played by James Daly. 
and James Daly's great in this role. He's I awesome. Mean, he's great. He is he amazing. Has, he has su- he brings such you know gravitas. Word again, gravitas. gravitas. He does. Yeah. You sense that he is you know this guy. You can. You I can have to say. You know, I said at the beginning, I'm not a big fan of the show. I think he's great. Yeah. I think I think he's yeah. great in this role because this is this is a really hokey thing to pull up. This is a Jerome Bixby classic in the sense that he he tapped into this idea of the the immortal man who was many different people and a lot of the stuff he wrote. He later did a a, a novel called The Man from Earth, which was adopted as a movie. But um, I, I feel you know I buy it here. Like I don't think this yeah. is hokey. Yeah. No, I agree. I mean, this little bit he does about the rats here is really really fun. You in can, Constantinople. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, it's great. And of course, you know, originally he was going to be Beethoven and not Brahms. And it's interesting that they changed it because I guess Bixby kind of had a certain look in mind for the character, which is hmm. why he said Beethoven. But I guess they couldn't explain later on why he wasn't deaf. I don't know. But, uh, yeah. um, you know, I think Brahms is actually better because he's a little more obscure. Exactly. In terms of, we all know how what Beethoven looked like and you know, obviously it's so in your face, but yeah. um, and he was Da Vinci, so I mean, you know, right. you, you get to be an, an A player and a B player. What <laughs> an incredible thing to have to do as a composer! Okay, write this as though this was a a piece composed by Brahms that nobody ever heard. And so imagine doing right. that for Beethoven. It's such a great <laughs> little tune, too. Yeah, it really is. It's a really, really very effective. So we're in the third season. We got everybody credited here. We got the blue credits. Um, and of course, this was the re-recorded theme for Star Trek Remastered. What can you tell us about that, Dave? Uh, well, you know, they went, they, that was their, if we weren't going to do the visual effects, that was the only thing they were going to do was, right. was re-up the music a little bit. And so uh, we were there on the scoring stage that day and, uh, you know, look, it was really cool to see it happen. I don't know that it that it gave us anything really extra, but but right. it was cool to see. Now this I episode, have to say, oh, sorry, I'm sorry, go I was going to say this. Uh, you know, later on in future shows, um, the the titling kind of lacks some stuff. But Requiem for Methuselah is a great title. Oh, yeah. oh, it's a great title. It's one of my favorites. In fact, obviously, we have that joke at the beginning of Free Enterprise about. Requiem for the Martians, it's Requiem for Methuselah. And it's because it's su- there's such poetry to it. And, you know, you've heard me bitch about how subsequent Star Treks lack the poetry of the original in terms of their <laughs> episode yeah. titles. But, yeah. you know, this is the kind of stuff like City on the Edge of Forever that have, you know, such, such you know, poetry to them, for lack of yeah. a, a better word. The, now, the this next, episode was had, the only episode directed by Murray Golden. Murray Golden directed <laughs> it. What can you tell us about Murray? Other than he liked delis. Oh, we don't. Scene, right? We don't know. Yeah. yeah, you can you can see him. You can see him experiencing it again. Yeah, exactly. He carries such a heavy burden. If if this if this episode were in the next generation, it would have been called the Immortal. Yep, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, <right>. The long <laughs> yeah. life. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. No, it's it's true. Um, and uh, you know, this is what we talked about: all the great character actors. And you know, uh, soon we're going to be introduced to Raina, played by Louise Sorrell. And um, uh, you know, she more than most of the women on 
on the original Star Trek, had a very long career, yeah. um, not only through the 70s, which he was virtually on every significant... Oh, there we go. That great Look at that cable beautiful matte yeah. painting. You see that, that little spaceship? Stunning. There's that little kind of rocket ship right in the middle. Ah. Um, little white rocket ship. That is actually a nod to an episode of the Justice League cartoon. Nice. Where they run, in, they run into a guy named Vandal Savage who's immortal, and He's lived into the future, and the end. The, the humanity has all died out, and it's just him. And Superman gets transported to the future and runs into him, and he's like, "Well, what are you doing with this starship?" And he's and Vandal Savage says, "Well, I built it, and then I thought, where am I going to go? <laughs> Here in the Hall of Flint." Yeah, it's interesting that previous shot where we were looking down at them from the right. from the rafters. Yeah, yeah. Um, is was all overdubbed was all ADR because really yeah I, I I watched this last night just to prepare um and it was all ADR because they couldn't mic it because yeah. the camera was in the way right sure. and it was an interesting camera angle I mean yeah. I, you know I assume that Murray Golden having not directed the show before was a Fred Freiberger find uh, and of course this episode. Uh, even though Jerome Bixby gets credit for it, was rewritten many times, including by Fred Freiberger and his story editor, Arthur Singer, mm. uh, who is Fred's um, uh, story editor on Star Trek for the third season. Right. Um, and uh, that's why there's some things in it that are really good and some things in it that are... Now, this is the set is a, a pastiche of set pieces we've seen from everything from Cat's Paw, um, you know, our, our, our you know, set deck yeah. from... Yeah, a bunch of episodes. cloud minders is in there. Oh, yeah. There's like yeah. all kinds of stuff. And yeah. Mission Impossible. <laughs> yeah, <right>. <laughs> <laughs> From the Desilu Warehouse. I love this. Again, you know, we always talk about how wonderful William Wertice was in dressing the women. But let's talk about the man for a second. This is a great, great costume. Yeah, really I love is. the um uh you know uh the, the pattern on the the um on, on the outfit, the you know, and material. then of course the cape. Yeah, yeah, it looks expensive, and yeah. it's just very this elegant. Is a great moment. This is a great moment too, where he goes in to kiss her, and she's just staring at him. She's just, you know, he, she's not there yet, and he is just longing to share his life with someone and have this 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 person come to life for him, yeah. and she's just not there yet. And I've I've been there. <laughs> and it's, you know, as for, for as kind of hokey as it gets, the the idea that he latches on, that he sees Kirk's interaction with her and realizes. I mean, it kind of it kind of speaks to his brilliance, right? Yeah. He immediately figures, oh wait a minute, this here is, is a, a chance is for a someone to yeah. to yeah for someone to bring her to life, and it's. It's all silent. It all happens in parentheses in a script somewhere, but mm. it, he does it so well. Yeah, it, it really, I mean, we said it's, it's just a superb performance. And Louise Sorrell is really good. And of course, it, it, you know, she, she, she's, you know, to this day, I think, on Days of Our Lives, you know. Yeah. Um, and she's been very successful in soaps. and But working constantly through the 70s, and 80s, you know, everything from Charlie's Angels to Fantasy Island, you know, back in the 60s, right. doing stuff like Name of the Game. I mean, she has been, you know, consistently working her entire career, and uh, which you can't say about a lot of the Star Trek character actors who right. have been on the show. And I'm surprised because I don't think she's been somebody who's really done the conventions, but I guess it's because she's worked for a living. Yeah, right. You know, she, 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 um, 
you know, because I don't remember ever, you know, her being at any of those, you know, they, they get a lot of people from the original shows at some of these conventions. I don't remember her ever yeah. being a guest. I could be wrong. She actually did uh, make an appearance up in Ticonderoga at the uh, uh, oh, that's nice. Star Trek set. Oh, that's great. Here we also have Spock drinking, which is something yeah. that, that uh, doesn't, yeah, I, I will doesn't have often a happen. <laughs> yeah, I will have a brandy. That, yeah. It's because Leonard was given so little to do third season. Wherever they gave him something to do, he did it. It's yeah. like, oh, right. yeah, you want me to drink? At least he gives me <laughs> yeah. something to that, do. There it was. Like, that was my favorite Spock moment. <laughs> I will have a brandy. This could be what it seems to be. You know, and we do have, you know, you see the sideburns and the hairstyle aren't what, they don't match the first two years. They look very yeah. of the moment of 68, 69 as opposed to the first two years where, because the cast hated having to keep those, you know, the hairstyles. side, yeah. Right. Yep. You know, it's the same way that, you know, George Lazenby hated to be clean shaven because, you know, everybody was like feeling groovy and had beards and things. And he had to be like this James Bond and, and like, you know, um, be clean shaven and wear suits. And he, he hated that. And I think it was the same thing with the cast of Star Trek. They hated having to keep up this appearance during the season. Um, but it added so much to the show. It didn't feel yeah. like it was... Because you can tell a third season show immediately from just the way that the yeah. cast looks. It's good that they have glad bags in the future. Yeah, they did. <laughs> and I think we just had a moment where Kirk called the ship and said, how's everything going, right? Is yeah. That what, and, and Scotty's like, you know, oh, we're in trouble, Captain. We're and then he hangs up and is like, all yeah. right, let's have another drink. <laughs> you know, I, I, would, I would go along with the greatness of this costume if it weren't for the tights. Yeah, the tights aren't great. I agree. The tights are a little long. In the medium but, shots, it's great. In, in the, the medium shots, it's absolutely great. But yeah, uh, yeah, the, yeah, the tights, tights are, are not a little, good. little much. Just no, it's a little, it's a little Cirque du Soleil there. <laughs> Siegfried and Roy, actually. Yeah, so. right. Now here's the introduction of uh, Reina to the boys. Yeah, uh, Louise, Louise, Louise Sorrell. Um, well, she's done watching her flat screen. And it's TV. a great music cue. It's a great music cue. It's that kind of off kilter, you know. Mm -hmm. It's the sound of the blood changing direction in Kirk's body. <laughs> <laughs> and this is a tough role because, of course, she's playing a character, you know, who's a child and doesn't right. have any emotions. And, uh, um, you know, she does a really nice Fantastic job with it, job. I have to say. She really you know? does. She really does, because towards, you know, when you get to that penultimate scene where she kind of comes to life, she comes to life. I mean, it's very, she does a great job. Yeah, and, you know, you can definitely see the influence of uh, Shakespeare's The Tempest, or sure. some would say Forbidden Planet on this episode. Of course, right. he's, you know, this immortal Methuselah, you know, Methuse Methusian character, uh, you know, and Methuselah, of course, is the, the grandfather of Noah in the Bible, who was the oldest right. man who ever lived, I think, uh, almost a thousand years. So, um, you know, Star Trek was very, you know, the biblical references, and of course, again, very the Shakespearean reference here um, to the Tempest. And, and instead of uh, being with his, um, his, his daughter, on an island uh, as Prospero, uh, uh, you know, but right. instead he's with, um, you know, his would-be lover in this case. Now, uh, of course, uh, James Daly is the father of Tyne Daly, who most people remember on uh, Cagney and Lacey. 
I didn't know that. Yeah, and in many other uh, productions. And I believe that his grandson is also an actor. I can't remember his grandson's name right now, but... Uh, Tim Daly. Yes. No, 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 no. <laughs> is it? I don't know. No, I don't, I don't think it is. I don't think it is. It's another Daly, obviously. They're, they're constantly trying to hide the wires that poor M4 yeah. is hanging on. Yeah. Is that anything you guys did in post? Did you uh, do any digital cleanup on the wires like they did with War of the Worlds? To, no, um, I don't think we, you know, this, we went in and cleaned up some things where we could on kind of kind of high profile, what we felt were high profile episodes. I don't think this ranked as one of them. Mm-hmm. But they were always new. They were always noodling around at CBS Digital, so it's possible. Right. I was noticing the the set design there because they had to they had to account for the wire that's holding the robot up. They had no uh, they had no uh, uh, top to the doorway, uh, but they have that backing wall that makes it look like there's a top to the doorway. And was mm. that the set to whom gods destroy? I it sure looks it like might it. have been yeah yeah. And this is interesting. Again, this episode is interesting. You know, this Murray Golden directs in a very different way than any of the other directors. Remember, by this time, third season, the, the money was way down. Yeah. And uh, also and the, the schedule. the schedule was way was down. Was much yeah. tighter. Yeah. So you had to move a lot quicker. There was time for less takes. And, um, you know, you, you really couldn't afford to, to get too creative in terms of camera movement. You just had to freaking get it and move on. And that thing behind Flint is yeah. the background that was used in Arena. <laughs> you know how in Arena when they show Cessna's, when they show the outpost, there's that weird crumpled oh, metal. Oh, the, the crumpled the bit of metal, yeah, that, that, covers the, that covers the other set behind there. Yes. Oh, wow, yeah, that's interesting. It's Good pretty call, amazing. Dave. But, you know, it's, it's also, well, it's also the background for the Telosians. You know, it's that standard treatment yeah. of thick... Uh, uh, Painted tinfoil, basically. Yeah, that's what that, that they would put up on. Uh, uh, you know, connect to a, a wooden substructure and just put it up there. It's. I, I, it makes me wonder why that's there. Yeah. As if you know, maybe Flint cut into the side of the mountain to build his. Uh, yeah. I think or, just to give it some texture to make the or walls it's a Flint, flat. It's a Flint sculpture. <laughs> I mean, I think it helps this room not look so, well, you know, it, like plywood. It, 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 no, it looks great, and it's, it, 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 you know, makes it look Star Trek. Yeah. Well, and also because they're saying that he was all these people like Da Vinci and, uh, you know, all these great artists and musicians and stuff. I think, you know, it's also showing, you know, his sculpture and stuff that he, yeah. he did as whatever sculptor he was because, you know, over the course of the many centuries that he's lived, you know, he was probably a sculptor at some point. I yeah. mean, we see the paintings and... Well, he was, uh, you know, Da Vinci. And he made those light, light fixtures? Yeah. He was an electrician? <laughs> he was everything. <laughs> he was... That's I right. Think, I think we're he lucky. He was Mo Ginsburg. Uh, he was an electrician <laughs> in the 20th century. <laughs> <laughs> we're, You're we're totally free. satisfied or it's free? We're certainly lucky that Spock knows how to play music on this, uh, on this uh, piano. Uh, yeah, but it's not know, surprising. I, I, well, no, it's not surprising at all. But it, it's it's interesting that uh, Flint kind of knew. Uh, you know, why don't you play the waltz, Mister Spot? Well, I mm. don't know how to play this instrument. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> but Vulcans are very cultured, you know. So, sure. And and we've seen him play the you know the electric guitar or whatever that thing is. 
And, uh, you know, oh, what is that thing? Problem. Uh-oh. Yeah. This right talent sucks. Yeah, right. Oh my God, this food coloring is awful. <laughs> this <doesn't laughs> <eat>. <laughs> That's right. There's one part per hundred of, you know, red dye. <laughs> I'm allergic to red dye. Precisely. <laughs> now, it's interesting. This is handheld. That's a mm. handheld shot. Yeah. There's a lot more handheld in this episode than I, I, you know, just my first instinct than virtually any other episode. There's a lot yeah. of handheld and it's very ragged, but it's interesting. Yeah. There's a lot of times, you know, especially if you, on a show like this, you, you see it occasionally for action, but you don't see it in the more dramatic scenes. And it's, and it's a time saver, but it can also look very ragged and ratty if you don't do it well. And yeah. it makes me think the that, office. It, it makes me think that they that they doubled up that they had two cameras running mm. to cover this whole scene. And the that's whole this whole this whole scene is with you know Flint. This is where Flint's making his observation. It's very yeah. cool. What the devil's going on in here? Yeah. <laughs> And it's also a very claustrophobic episode. I mean, it all, it was completely shot on the lot, you know, at, at, at Desilu yeah. and Paramount. And, um, you know, we're, we're basically, uh, except for a few moments we're on, the, on the bridge, you know, we're in Flint's castle for the most part. And then outside yeah. with uh, M4. I do agree that, you know, the, 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 um, the pressingness of this, is sometimes lost in this episode. Yeah. You know, how, how how dire the situation is. And I think part of the problem is because we don't start the episode really seeing people being afflicted. Right. We right. have no exactly. connection to what's happening. Yeah. Right. Yeah, they should have put in, you know, uh, a cut from the naked time with Sulu screaming on the bed or something, you know. Just right, right. <laughs> give me a little something here. Captain, it is written in manuscript. This, the, the, the part that doesn't... Great. Yeah, exactly. Spock kind of calling it out. He recognizes no, no, Brahms' handwriting. <laughs> you know, and, and Kirk is just going, not, not now, Spock. Not, not now. now. No, this could be something important. Yeah. I'm not a classical music fan. You know, <laughs> it was John Lennon. Let me know. <laughs> let me know when Flint and McCoy return. Yeah, no. the, the, the part of this that doesn't work for me in, as for the episode is Kirk falling for her so, so quickly. quickly. Yeah. And in that amount of time, I mean, yeah. he he's ready to say, "Come with me and live." <laughs> right. Uh, <laughs> I completely agree with you. That's the thing that, to me, does not make this a great episode because, of course, it has that wonderful coda where um, Spock erases the memory of her. But I don't feel yes. it's earned. You know, right. any time it was earned, it was with Ia Keeler. I mean, right. the fact that he falls in love with this android over a couple of hours and then yeah. can't like and, yeah. and acts so out of character, like yeah, it's the, you it's know, the this part needed that doesn't to take work. place over weeks. You know. Or, or well, it's obvious that uh, Flint also included some very powerful pheromones in uh, the radar. Right, exactly. Series. He was That's pumping an them in. Interesting justification. Oxygen <laughs> pheromones, and he had a whole casino on the other side. Yeah. <laughs> Hi there. Hi there. You sound like uh, what was it in um, what's ha no, what's happening? Hi there. Is that? Uh, no, that oh, was, no, that uh, was Welcome Back, Cotter. Welcome Back, Cotter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Lawrence Hilton Jacobs, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, and uh, Sulu in, in The Children's Show Lead. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> That's right. That's right. I also like the idea of this room that uh, we don't know what's back there. And, 
You know, you, you shall not, not go. It's, go. It's, yeah. it's the whole idea, you know, like an island of lost souls. It's like the house of pain. It's like, yeah. where you know, they're told you cannot go in there yeah. by, the, by Moreau. It's almost calling out for a sign that says Reina with a circle and slash through it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right, exactly. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Plus, you know, what's funny is in a building, you know, obviously in that huge art uh, building that, you know, we've seen in the new Mad painting, you know, you think there'd, there'd be more rooms where he could... <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> now, in the in the original version, was it the painting from Rigel? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. The one we saw in the cage. Yeah. That was or wasn't done by Albert Whitlock. It, yes, it was. that was the one that was yeah. there. Yeah. So, um, and uh, you know, but they couldn't the... have Rigelian fever and have no. the Rigel. <laughs> <laughs> That's crazy talk. I mean, it is one of the most gorgeous map paintings of all time. That uh, uh, that 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 fortress. Yeah. But um, again, for anybody who was interested in canon, loves Star Trek, it's like it's so iconic to see yeah. it again. It's like no, that's not right. Yeah. That's well. Uh, it, the problem is, it showed up every week in the end credits. Right. Yeah. Right. That's true. Yeah. Now, when you guys saw this episode for the first time, did you get she was an android yet? No. Did you figure it out? No, yeah, me neither. No, 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 definitely not. Definitely not. I still don't. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, I, I, I didn't get it. I just, you know, I thought, you know, I think it's like it's the people who are stranded on a desert island, kind of like she's not been around other humans, right? So you just think that she's a little odd. Yeah. But you don't care because. And of course, they're playing music from the empath. Right. Yeah. Because this is, you know, at the point where, you know, they're really tracking uh, with a lot of music from previous episodes. Uh, you know, not every episode had a new score written for it. You were allowed to do that back, back in that era. And of course, mostly it worked. Or the now, Kirk. This, this of the course, M4 is, M4 is on the rolling platform now. Movement, or no Nomad screen. Junior, as I prefer to call him. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I like that little computer on the desk there with the uh, with the cage uh, viewer. Yeah. How's it going, M4? It's sure taking a sweet time. <laughs> it sure is. Yeah. It's like what. I love though that they destroy uh, M4, and then of course M4 shows up later on. Yeah, well, uh, yeah, too uh, too useful, too useful a, a device, device to be without. without I yeah. Then that would be M5, wouldn't it? He did call That's him it. M5. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. M5 tie-in. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe he was also Richard Daystrom in a previous life. He might have been. <laughs> <laughs> Think there, of all oh, the people he could have been. He could oh, have been Crazy the Eddie. Ship. There's oh, a yeah, there's the little ship. ship. Yeah, I'm nice. sure there's a fan film where we, you know, find out, like, you know, all the lives of Flint. And, and, yeah, the know, lives of Flint. There's an episode. There's like a Family Guy episode or something. Well, the the uh, Greg Cox uh, first book about uh, the... Uh, Eugenics Wars. Eugenics Wars has Flint in the in the uh, story. And he uh, he's a very interesting uh, character there and how he wound up. I was Jeff Bezos. I invented Amazon. <laughs> right. yeah. Don't you recognize my drone? Fascinating. 
I love the testosterone yeah, here. Oh, yeah, yeah, this is great. I might have accepted. Then you'd really be screwed. Would you call him brave or a fool? <laughs> yeah, what would you call me? <laughs> but this is the problem because we all know that, you know, Captain Kirk cares about his ship and he certainly cares about his crew who, uh, you know, we've been told yeah. is his suffering crew is dying. and dying. Yeah, 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 and instead he's getting involved with this, you know, which is yeah, the worst cliche of Shatner being, you know, Shatner Kirk being a womanizer. Right. Clint's like, I've killed more men than Captain Tracy, <laughs> <laughs> and I didn't even drain three phasers. <laughs> That's right. Oh, we might have to do Omega Glory with Jeff Bond for a briefing room too. Oh yeah, that'd be a good one. I love Omega Glory. I know, oh, yeah, that's, that's just one. me. Come on, that's fun. No, I'm with you. <laughs> uh, count me out, guys. <laughs> All right. Oh, yeah, come on. See, yeah. I, there's too much I bump on in this episode to really love it. Yeah. Um, but, uh, well, it's okay. Spock is great. Flint is great. Spock is great. Yeah. Yeah, Flint yeah. is so good. Yeah. He really is. And it's a tough, tough role. And he really, he really pulls it off. And I love Spock putting all the pieces together of who he yeah. is. Yeah. Spock knows what's going on. He always does. And this too, Kirk's confusion here is great. You know, he's like, wait a minute, what do you mean he loves her? He he asked me to dance with her. He it's so he's so like, you know, baffled. Yeah, here. yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It does appear to defy the male logic, as I understand it. <laughs> <laughs> on Vulcan, we just pick up Two <laughs> weapons and stuff going at it. Nearly everybody aboard has got it, Captain. We're working a skeleton crew and waiting for the right talent. It's so bad I'm sitting in your chair. Yeah, I, I can't exactly. even stand up. <laughs> Suddenly, Scotty just bursts into flames. He doesn't seem to have any pass. I love the brat. See, that's a, a nice little plan, uh, uh, universe building. He yeah. bought the planet. I love yeah. that. You yeah. know, you know how much do you today. buy a planet for? And who owned it? <laughs> yeah, right. And then I mean, the contractors that you came in, that you brought in to build that fort, you know, that, that giant castle. Yeah. And it's like, what happens if, like, your toilet gets backed up? You, can, who do you call? I'm well, Flint. I plus, call me. Yeah, he, plus he, he had all the indigenous peoples on the planet. Destroyed. Moved. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, he, he was also John Smith in a previous life. Program the readings through Dr. McCoy's medical computer when we return to the ship. Time factor. We must commence right talent injections within two hours and 18 minutes. Yeah. yeah they're, they're desperately trying to get this ticking clock going, but it never really catches no, it. Never really, it never really catches on, does it? You never really catch the fever. Obviously, it's not as catching as uh, Rigelian fever. But I love right. the you know the the flat screen TV long before flat screen TVs existed. Yeah. You know, so that, that you know, which is great because so much sci-fi is dated by those big CRT monitors. You know, right. Star Trek was pretty good about this kind of thing. Well, of course, the main view screen is sixteen by nine. Yeah, right. That's right. That's a good yeah. point. It's like the uh, light cube from Return of the Archons. Right. It's like a look. In fact, that's probably the same prop from Return of the. That's Archons. what I mean. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And that's an interesting piece of art there in the background. 
the uh, sticks and and lollipops. Sticks in the, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and that sculpture on the on the table, which is probably straight from yeah. uh, the props, the prop closet. Looks yeah. like something from uh, Thailand. I love when a character says to another character, have I ever lied to you? Right. Well, I don't know. You know they have. I don't know. I don't know, Dad. (laughs) What's in that closet you haven't showed me? Yeah, but these doors are are, are from Cat's Paw. Oh, of course. Yeah. You know what would have been cool is if in the Mirror Universe, Flint was the guy Kirk murdered to get the Tantalus field. I I was just thinking about that last (laughs) night. I was what? just thinking about that, you crazy guy. Yes. Right? But, uh, Wouldn't that have been cool? Yeah. Yeah. Flint was the crazy scientist who created the Tantalus field. Yeah. A plundered lab. <laughs> in a previous, in a previous, in the Mary Universe, he was Axel Rose. Um, <laughs> well, the, the, pro- the probability is that in the Mary Universe, he probably died right away. <laughs> That's true, right? That's right. You would be in a world. That's right. right. The, the rats, they the, the got him. Yeah. Yeah, the rats. He was Ocarin, a bully and a fool. I mean, here we are. I don't know how long we're into it. It's like, I don't want to say goodbye. I want you to come with me. It's yeah. like, <laughs> really? You'd like to be in a starship, wouldn't you? But I like your excuse, Darren, which I'd never heard before, the idea that maybe they're pheromones at work. You know, they're, sure. they're almost I mean, that, like that would make it's sense. Al- yeah, it's Flint's almost kind of like uh, a lawn of Troyes, you know, where it's like right. a, yeah. some kind of or indeed Lieutenant Ilea. I mean, if we have to retcon this whole thing, yeah, yeah, I think. I mean, once once Flint gets the idea, he's a man of action, yes. Uh, but that's enough now. <laughs> no, <laughs> now Flint how, has had enough, <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly, <laughs> exactly. Boy, this is a lot of optical work because this is obviously all a blue screen that they had to do a burn-in on. And, uh, yeah. You know, for the era, this is a long... That's a, yeah. And that's her awakening right there. I mean, that's the... Right. Uh, you see her eyes. She'll be a woman she soon. She does. <laughs> <laughs> boom, 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 boom. <laughs> oh, yeah, and that's where Flint's like, well, now you're dead, Kirk. <laughs> I mean, at this point, he is. <laughs> it's like, yeah. <laughs> let's, be right get going. let's be thankful for Igillian fever and not the Cymbeline blood burn. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's funny because he could have just let Raina go with Kirk and then built another one. Well, this right, is true. Exactly. Just uh, download her and, uh, you know. When you think about it, it really is like he's like the guy who's like building Japanese sex toys or something. Well, it's creepy. It's creepy. It's very creepy. Yeah. Flint's a liar. Has he ever lied to us? It's behind this door. Behind this secret door. And this is a great moment when Spock jumps in front. Yeah. He's like, well, you know what? Let me go. Because he's figured it out. Right. Mm-hmm. But again, he's so sensitive to, you know, Kirk's emotional state, yeah. but it's just like Kirk should not be so. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. 
but you're absolutely right. It's a great character beat for Spock saying, you know, I'll, I'll go first because I'm... Now, that little piece on the wall there is a tray from uh, uh, ground beef in the what? supermarket. Yeah, it, it's a ground beef tray found in the supermarket. Really? <laughs> yep. Wow. A ground beef tray. Yep. In Ninth Circuit, 1968. Yep. Wow. We paying more for the ground beef or the tray? I don't know. Hmm. Mm. What's going on in here? I, I, I love Andrew. I love McCoy's <laughs> reaction. Right, Alan. Yes, we we know Bones. He's, yeah. he's no, a <laughs> I know at that point he should just beam up. Oh, an unfortunate uh, rub-on letter. Exactly. I was just going to say, what would our font, yeah. uh, our font expert Dave Addy have to say about that? Yeah, that's a letter set gone horribly wrong. Yep, I think that might be Franklin Gothic bold, just mm, for you. Yeah, uh, counters out there. Uh, Dave, uh, we did an episode a couple of weeks ago on the fonts of Star Trek. Oh, look, it's Ilya. <laughs> The fonts of Star Trek. Yeah. Yeah. We had a great uh, expert on fonts who wrote the uh, Typeset of the Future book, Dave Addy. And it's actually a great episode. I'll have to give it a listen. That sounds fun. Oh, yeah. It, it's, 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 oh, wow. Those signs are really bad. How many Reinas are there? Yeah. Well, that's what I'm saying. He could have let her go and, and we would have been fine. He had a bunch of backup. Yeah, that's, the, that's the moment where Kirk says, Spock, Bones. Give me a few minutes in here. <laughs> oh, I'm going to no. bring them all to life. the Enterprise, but we have also discovered our benefactor's secret. He doesn't have enough wigs for all his androids. Her only flaw. He apparently, gentlemen, do prefer blondes. <laughs> Human. Oh, what was that? It looked like it looked like it was like a. A bounce board or yeah, a light that, or something. It, it was something. Yeah. yeah. It would have been great if they would have pulled one sheet back and it would have been Stella from iMud. <laughs> oh, that's, that's funny. Here the centuries oh. long and this would end. Your collection of Leonardo da Vinci masterpieces, Mr. Flint. Yeah. They appear to have been recently painted on contemporary canvas with contemporary... Here's the big reveal. This is a great speech, though. You're right. This is actually a really good episode for Spock. Yeah. Because he comes across as clever. He put it all together. Yep. Exactly. The whole time, while all this stuff has been going on in the background, Spock has been piecing this together. And, you know, he, and I love the way he kind of has a little sympathy in his voice for Flint. Sure. You know, he kind of feels yeah. like, you know, this is a blessing and a curse that you've lived with all these years. Merlin. I want to see that Merlin. Yeah. I want to see him. He looks like Merlin. That's yeah. awesome. You know, forget Nicole Williamson. It's like I want to see Flint as as as, as Merlin. I was Sherlock Holmes. Sherlock Holmes was a fictional character, sir. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, don't tell Nick Meyer that. I fell in battle, pierced to the heart. Was what was his name? Akar? No, Akarin. That would have made him from Capella. See, that's right. <laughs> this actually, this, you know, with all the fan fiction and all that stuff, this would be an interesting thing. Flint's story through time. Like, oh, yeah. it's actually, I'd actually watch a show about him. 
Yeah. Like, you know, like this immortal guy who just goes through all these eras until, you know, he shows up in the 23rd century. I think it would be awesome. And the fact that he gets fed up with humanity, he's just like, I'm done. I'm done with you guys. And And, and we're evolving, you know, we're evolving. And that's when he's done, you know. (laughs) And it happened in 2021. Loved, cherished, caressed a smoothness, inhaled a brief fragrance. Then, age, death. Now, a lot of people, it's, you know, dismiss the writing in the third season, but, you know, this is a really a good monologue. Yeah. It really is, and it's so sad. Yeah. It's so sad that he's just talking about, I have known, you know, thousands of people, and they all die. Yep. They all just, you know, it's all a moment for me. It's just a moment. Blip, yeah. It's really, really sad. I mean, I know a lot of people love Highlander. I don't think it's a particularly good movie, but there's an interesting idea at the heart of it. Like, and 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 there's that crazy, you know, Chris Lambert's um, secretary is this old woman in 1980, wherever it takes place, 1984. But it was like a girl that he rescued in World War II. He fell yeah. in love with, but she aged and died, and he remained the same. And it's kind of this tragic love story. And it's like this does it better, yeah. You yeah. know, in, yep. in, in than, than Highlander ever got close to. But it doesn't have Sean Connery as a Spaniard, so, you well, know, there it's, you it's, go. it's, it's right. one more Damn. mark for it, yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I will have to say that the oh, direction yeah, is good. a little stiff, you know. Uh, yeah. You know, there's a lot of masters, close-up, 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 you know. Yeah. Oh, the test I mean, of power. Shot, the composition here is not very good. But again, they had so little time. How badly did you want that as a kid? Oh, my God. Oh, so badly. <laughs> so badly. I know, but even as a kid, I knew, wait a second, that's a view screen, not a window. Why is he looking? Yeah, right, exactly. When he looks down, hello, <laughs> hello in there. <laughs> I crawl. <laughs> you had no chance. No chance. Flint, Flint had you from the word go. Yeah, it would have been cool if they could have seen him looking through the top of the bridge. Is this a starship for ants? (laughs) (laughs) That's so funny. That's one of the best Zoolander references I've heard in a long time. This is great because this is when he yeah. gets worked up. It's like, you know, when the ship's in danger. He didn't care about them all dying of the Rangelian right. fever. And just, what Flint says been... to, and just what Flint says to him here, you know, you're going to know the future, Captain. As Kirk's like, wait, wait, restore my crew. And he goes, you know, maybe in about a thousand years, you're going to know the future. He's like, I'm doing you a favor, man. Just relax. Enjoy <laughs> yeah, it. Enjoy the ride. For the big time jump to season four. We're gonna we're gonna freeze you for a thousand years and send you into the into the future when we restore you. Well, that means they'll avoid the burn. <laughs> uh oh, uh oh, she overheard. Yeah. I must. What will you feel for him after we are gone? Spock. Burning hate. Yeah, right. Yeah, this is where Fox <laughs> like, I gotta save us. I gotta say something. I don't want to be frozen. No frozen emotion, for Spock. Emotion could be a good thing. <laughs> yeah, right. What's the wheel of the SS Minnow doing up there? Said. It's doing its job. <laughs> <laughs> he 
He was the skipper. He was, he was, he was, the, the, he was also the skipper. <laughs> oh my god, he got off the island. I was known as Jonas Grumby. <laughs> Very good. Wow. That's a good pull, Darren. That is really funny. That's why you delayed the processing of the right tablet. People tapping on their internet right now to figure out who Jonas Grumby was. That was a good one. <laughs> did you guys watch WandaVision last night? No, I haven't seen it yet. I did. I liked I watched it. I liked episodes. it. I, I thought it was good. I thought it was I, fun. I worked on it. Oh, cool. What'd you think of it? I thought it was good. I, I, I'd, I'd like to see... Uh, I'd like to see where it's going because that's the stuff that I worked on, not yeah. the not the TV stuff. Yeah, I'll have to check it out. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, I enjoyed it. I thought it was a lot of fun. You must forget your feelings in this matter, which is quite Because I don't need to see another CGI battle between superheroes. It's like right. well, this is clever. How about a word of war between two very powerful actors like this? Yeah. Right. But I do love her. Yeah, there's a there's a line from Flint that just that we just passed where he says something like, you know, you must forget your feelings, which is quite impossible. Yeah, I mean, and this, of course, is just very forced. You know, you yeah, know they're yeah. gonna have a, a fist fight yeah, over. Have a fist fight, yeah, Kirk yeah. fighting yeah. the immortal man. Yeah, Kirk yeah. starts to fight with the stunt man. But this is exactly what we said about the third season. The third season gets a bum rap being bad, but. It's not that it's bad. It's just Uneven. it's not as well executed yeah. as episodes in the first and second season. And if you look at McCoy, he's just looking around. Right. He's not even looking at them fight. He's like, yeah, Kirk D, will take care of it. He has a thankless role in this episode. All he gets he to sure do is does. like, you look know, around. Look around. And look like and pick turn. up the right talent, put it yeah. down, look pick it up. Yeah. <laughs> you got the right talent. It's like a baby. You got the baby. <laughs> You love the right talent. You adore it. <laughs> yeah, this is the moment. This is great. Flames. Flames? Coming out the of my ears. Focus here. Imperfect. Uh, 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 does not compute. <laughs> yeah. Non sequitur. Non sequitur. <laughs> Laser beams shoot out of her eyes. Right. <laughs> you are not Jackson Roy Kirk. That's right. <laughs> That's right. She's human. The human spirit is free. You have no power of ownership. She's free to do as she wishes. I mean, besides an interesting thing to explore too. It's like she's an android, so like, does he? You know, he have the right. You know, it's like. What, yeah, you know, it's that kind of data stuff that was explored in Next Generation so well. Sure. You know, yeah. but it would be interesting to sort of look at in terms of Reina. But again, these are not the paths this episode chose to explore. She seems self aware to me, Commander. <laughs> it's, a, it's a powerful moment. I mean, imagine yeah. gaining sentient, you know, you, you gain emotion. I mean, that's, uh -huh. that's powerful, Ben. And uh -huh. Flint's what, what? sadness at his success. Yeah. Right. It didn't go the way he thought it was going to go. So maybe Da Vinci wasn't as smart as he thought. <laughs> Stupid Da Vinci. <laughs> <laughs> we have bronze. You can write a waltz about it. God, and this thing where they're just breaking her heart. Yeah. Yeah. She doesn't want to. I was also Sonny Bono. Don't go breaking my heart. <laughs> 
I mean, it's just like Shatner's giving this great performance, but it just feels like, my God, Kirk would not, not be our, this emotional. Yeah. It, it just comes out of nowhere. Yeah, there's no, there's you know, no there there. Like with Edith Keeler, you can buy it kind of because they're so similar. They, they believe in the future, yeah. and there's this optimism and hopefulness. It's like when he says, you know, the "I love you" will be replaced by the words "Let me help." There's a metal tube behind him. It looks like somebody dinged it. Like right during the fight, no doubt. Grips. Yeah, well, maybe maybe it was. I was going to say the grips. Yeah, it was the the dolly, uh, you know, smashed into it or something. You know, I hate to say it, but the the problem with this episode, uh, I think, is kind of the same in City on the Edge of Forever. I don't believe that Kirk falls in love this fast. No, yeah. see, I don't. I I disagree. I think in City, I'd buy it because also there's a longer time. They're there for a longer period of time. A lot of the dissolves are weeks yeah, that are maybe, transpiring. Maybe. We, and, yeah, and, that, and that, I, at least, yeah, I agree. There's at least time. Whereas this, it's you know yeah, they've been just, there two hours. Just, right. You know. Right. I also feel that for him to find someone in that era who belongs like in the 23rd, who has all these progressive ideas and, you know, the the, the, the way that she was and how yeah. she wanted to help people and cared about people and had these deep emotions. It was something that he tapped into in a really, you know, uh, strong way, whereas Raina had nothing other than, you yeah. know, she was good. Bad, yeah. Yeah, now here's the scene that should have happened in City on the Edge of Forever. Yeah, right. Agreed. Which is a great idea for a scene. You know, it's yeah. very powerful again, but it's just, it's just not earned. The fact yeah. that 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 uh, Spock erases still, yeah. his memory of it. It's still just that you know. It's the one thing Nimoy does so well with this character. This this lowering of his, this you know conscious lowering of his defenses. Right. To because what he's about to feel when he does this, it's not a one way trip. You know what I mean? Yep. Yep. Uh, he's sensing everything Kirk's feeling in that moment, and so. Uh, it's an incredible lowering of his defenses for his friend. Right. It's mm-hmm. really, really fucking powerful, man. Well, also for somebody who has no emotions, that he's so compassionate. It's I, I again, that's what makes his character Spock so fantastic. Yeah, because of course he has emotions. He just suppresses them. Right. Exactly. He's fighting with it all yeah. the time. I'm Brendan Circus. This is another perfect yep. example. Exactly. Who knows what he might come up with? Indeed. Well, the problem is Flint's just going to do, you know, put another Reina together. Yeah. (laughs) An army of Reinas. I shall build an atomic (laughs) of atomic super beings (laughs) who become realtors who sell planets all over the galaxy. Hilarious. (laughs) You see, I feel sorry for you than I do for him. Because you'll never know the things that love can drive a man to. Yes, I will. I, I did. I, I was I under the influence of the spores. Yeah. <laughs> weren't you in that episode, or were you just drunk on mint juleps? <laughs> it's just so funny, because like this scene is great. Like you said, if you cut and paste the scene and put it on another episode, yeah. it would really be great. Yeah, yeah. Good night, Spock. Good night, Doctor. But you know, it's like to me, this is this is a noble failure. This episode, as opposed to yeah. you know, right. or, uh, 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 you know, as opposed to um, being you know bad or something. An it's episode not bad. that aims lower. This aimed yeah. very high. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you got to respect that. Yeah. And plus, yeah, I still rather like, watch this than a lot of other things. You know, another thing about this moment is it's not Spock 
having him forget her. It's having him forget that he loved her. Right. Right. And that's, that's really, um, it's really complex and sad and melancholy and amazing. Yeah, absolutely. Is that an air filter to the left? I don't know. Probably. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, there you go. What an interesting choice. And I think it was really interesting to, um, to dive into this episode. And, it's one uh, of those episodes that I know. There it is. Look, there's Rigel. Right? There it is. Yep, there's Rigel. Um, there's the Rigel It's comedy. one of those episodes that I don't really watch a lot. Yeah. But mm. whenever it's on, I will watch it for that, for those couple of moments, for Flint's performance and for, for, uh, for Spock. Right. No, it's funny because, you know, like, obviously we talked about this, like growing up in um, New York um, on Channel 11, I watched whatever was on. Right. right. But then there came a, a, you know, came a point in the 90s where stuff would come out on DVD, Laserdisc and DVD, and I would only watch the episodes I really liked. So I didn't watch this episode for a long time until Star Trek Remastered, which was right. the first time that I rewatched all the episodes, like since, you know, the 80s. Yeah. And, and you do. You find a couple gems. You find a couple things that you forgot about. And you'll notice that there's no Desilu tag on it because at this point, it was Paramount. Yeah, yeah, right. It had become Paramount production. Yeah, mm -hmm. so. yeah it's crazy. Yeah, well, well, this was a lot of fun. Yeah, thank you, guys. Rem don't forget. Don't forget. We're not going to make you forget this episode. You remember. <laughs> you know. it's, it's funny. I mean, because, uh, you know, in order to plant your Katra into a uh, someone, you say, remember. So maybe he was extracting Katra from Kirk. That's right. He's carried Kirk's <laughs> Katra this whole time. That's Kirk's right. Katra, Who knew? Captain Katra. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. But I'm glad you picked this. This is the whole purpose of doing these briefing rooms, you know, on some of these episodes because you know there's a lot more to unpack uh, when it comes to some of the more obscure and less well remembered episodes than you know the classics, right? Yeah, the giants. And you do, and, you, and, and even in in some of these episodes where where this one, you know, on on a lot of levels, it doesn't work as well. But you do still have some great performances. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, no question. Um, fantastic. Really great. And we, we talked about that more than any of the other series. The original Star Trek had great guest performance because you had so many oh, people yeah. coming out of feature films in the 50s and 60s who were now doing television. And there are some great, great guest uh, stars on oh, all totally. three seasons of Star Trek. You know, yeah. um, so that was that's it's really cool. So, okay, well, fantastic. Well, Dave, thank you so much for joining us. And Darren, always a pleasure. And, uh, you know, um, we'll be returning to the briefing room in a couple of weeks with an audio commentary for another significant Star Trek episode. Until then, we'll resume our normal Inglorious Trexperts episodes, which are available every Friday at 10 o'clock, wherever you listen to podcasts. Um, you can also watch these episodes, not the briefing room, but you can watch Inglorious Trexperts um on video uh, through the Electric Now app. You can download that at your favorite app store. And of course, follow us on Inglorious Trek and Inglorious Trexperts on Twitter and Instagram, respectively. And a special thanks to Bill Ritter, who makes us sound so good, our sound engineer. And of course, our production associates, Zach Raggetts and Peter Holmstrom, as well as our producer, Natalie Miscali. So until next week, on behalf of Dave, Darren, and myself, keep on trekking, stay safe, stay healthy, and gloriously, of course. And watch out for that Rigelian fever. It's uh, it's it's not not good, not good. Where so you hopefully you can 
wear your filter mask and uh, <laughs> we'll, we'll hey, if hey. you need some right talent, now you know where to get it. <laughs> Engage. What you repeat what you just told us? About an hour ago, the bridge control started going crazy. Levers shifting by themselves, buttons being pushed, instrument readings changing. And on my monitor screen, I can see Mitchell smiling each time it happened. As if his ship and crew were almost a toy for his amusement. This show is produced by Dean Devlin and Mark A. Altman and is an Electric Surge Network production.